If you do not have an outline of the sermon, please raise your hand. One of the most, one of the busiest persons on Sunday morning will give you an outline. Steve Caps. That man, he's, he works the communion. He works everything. He's just such a great guy. Would you give him a hand while he's giving out these? Thank you, Steve. Thank you for coming this wonderful, beautiful. It's beautiful. I don't care if it's cloudy. It's still wonderful and beautiful. And uh, we just thank God for all his bountiful blessings. Uh, <clears throat> we're, we're going to continue this thought of the triumphant entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. Understand that Jesus is leaving Jericho. Understand that Jesus is leaving Jericho with the crowd. There are a lot of people with him. He had previously raised Lazarus from the dead, and many people saw that. They saw him. I mean, the greatest, probably the greatest miracle that Jesus performed while he was here on earth was the raising, and he raised others from the dead also, but was the raising of Lazarus from the dead. And he had come through, he was met there at Bethage, Bethany, and most of us know where Bethany, that's where he spent uh, many uh, days there at Bethany. And here he comes with a crowd of people. And then you've got another crowd that is greeting him. You'll find this out. Another crowd that is, is greeting him, and they're coming from Jerusalem, up the mount, going up the Mount of Olives. And some scholars say that there were between two and two and a half million people there worshiping, singing, Hosanna to the Lord. What a tremendous, what a tremendous story. I love this story. And, you know, it's important. You know, the reason, one of the, one of the reasons, you know, why I know it's important is because all four of the Gospels record this incident. I mean, it is a wonderful reading. And so I would encourage you, we have it from uh, St. Matthew, but I would encourage you, uh, one of the things I love to do, and I would encourage you to do this, is uh, if, you, if you go on BibleGate or if you have your, your smartphone or whatever, <coughs> your, your uh, computers, read these, uh, this text with several translations. It's encouraging. It's just beautiful. Would you go with me now as we read from the New King James Version, Matthew chapter 21. We begin with verse 1. Now when Jesus, I'm sorry, now when they drew near, Jeru, uh, near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus, this, this is a wonderful story, he sent two uh, disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. All the other three uh, of the Gospels, they do not cover this. Now, they, they do not cover the donkey and the colt. They don't say he had two, but there were two. There was the donkey and then the foal or the, the colt. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. The Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. 
All of this was done that it might be fulfilled which is spoken by the prophet saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now he sat on the, the, the foal. Because he told them, he said, I want you to, I want you to get the, the one, and both of them came, that no one has ever ridden. So he sat on the, on the coat. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. Verse 7. They brought the donkey and the coat, laid their clothes on them, and set him on, set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches. From the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed. There you go. Those who followed uh, from Jericho. Those who went before coming from Jerusalem. Cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Father, add your blessings to the reading of your word. Speak to our hearts as well as to our ears. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Notice the introduction, if you will. Hosanna is a word that we hear frequently in worship services, for it is found in many great old hymns and modern spiritual songs. Indeed, it is a word we should hear often, and yet do we all understand what we're reading. Hosanna. They cried it. Hosanna. In fact, if you read Matthew 21, 15, you'll see where the children were in the temple. The children were in the temple. You know what they were singing? Hosanna. These kids were singing Hosanna. In fact, they were so joyful and and excited, the the, uh, religious leaders of that day, the Pharisees, began to complain and said, Jesus, why don't you stop them? Jesus, throughout his ministry, had not allowed them to call him king. Now he does. This, my friend, is the beginning of the end. But they complained that these people were crying out to him and honoring him, and they thought, the religious leaders, thought that he was just a carpenter down the road. But Jesus said, if you stop them from praising, the rocks and the mountains will cry out. I mean, this whole chapter is so powerful. The second cleansing of the temple was done during that time. When he got into Jerusalem, he went into the temple and there he turned over the money changers and he drove them out. And it's just a great story. But here they are using this word Hosanna. And we sing it. We've used it several times today. And we sing Hosanna. Let's back up just a little bit knowing that on their way from Jericho, he comes to Bethphage. And uh, Luke and Mark, don't, they, they, they don't notice the significance of the donkey and the colt, but 
but Matthew does. First of all, we find he sends his disciples ahead to bring a donkey and its colt, a colt which no one had ever sat. That's in Luke 19 and 30. He says, loose them and bring them to me. Now, you, can you imagine two strangers, or maybe they were not strangers? I'm not too sure that the owner of the donkey and the colt did not know Jesus. I think whoever owned those animals knew Jesus because they go up and they were tied. Loose them, Jesus said, and bring them to me. But when they started to take uh, the donkey and the colt, the owner said, Hey, what are you doing taking my donkey and my colt? And they said to him, the master has need of them. Now I could walk down every aisle, look at each and every one of us, and you could look at me, and we could say to every one of us, the master has need of you. He wants something out of you. If you don't know him as your personal savior, he wants you to become his, uh, his saint. Wonderfully saved, wonderfully born again. If you do know him as your personal savior, he challenges us to be a witness. God wants to use you and I in his kingdom. Once they said, the master has need of thee, it was, all, it was okay. So somehow I think he knew. I think he had met Jesus and somehow I think he might have known the master. Anyone ask, he says, tell them the Lord has need of them. Now, first of all, he sets, the writer of Matthews, uh, Matthew sets the scene and he says, here they were on the Mount of Olives. They come down and go into the village. They get the donkey and its foal or its colt. They bring it back to Jesus and they set Jesus on the coat that had never been risen, uh, ridden with their clothes, with their garments. They put their garments. And this was done in the Old Testament to honor someone. So they were honoring Jesus with that. Look at Roman numeral number two, if you will. Praise from the people. The crowd, 21 and 9. The crowd. The praise. Hosanna. And I've already told you the crowd. I think it's very interesting. Very challenging to know because the, the, the feast of, of was on at that time and people came from all over, came from all over to gather there in the city of Jerusalem. Those from Jericho, those from Jerusalem and surrounding areas came. And the crowd, they sang praise unto Jesus. They honored him. They recognized him as king. Number three, Hosanna would have been a term familiar to everyone in Israel, which accounts for the crowds singing Hosanna at the time of the triumphant entry of the Messiah into Jerusalem. Look at uh, Psalms chapter 118. I love these two verses. I love these. This is where the word Hosanna comes from. From verse 5, notice 25, notice 118, 25. Now, save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. 
That's verse 25. Look at verse 26. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. Now this is written many, many years ago. The prophecy of Zechariah was 400 years before this occasion took place. So the psalmist writes, and there is something major between verse 25 and 26. Look at it again, and I think it's, it's, it's very, very interesting. I'm going to read them again. Save now. That's what Hosanna mean, meant in the Hebrew. Save me now, Lord. There, need be a lot of, there needs to be a lot of people crying out to God, God, save me. God, save me. It's a cry, it's a cry of desperation. Save me now, I pray, O oh Lord. I pray sin now prosperity. Then it changes from verse 25 to 26. They begin to bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Notice number four. In Jesus' day, the word Hosanna, while originally signifying a cry for help, over time became an invocation of blessing. That was prophetic. Listen to this. Verse 26 is prophetic to what would happen. And that save me became a praise. And that's the reason that they were singing Hosanna Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord is because that cry for help had turned to praise and thanksgiving and had turned to honor. An exclamation of praise or a shout of celebration. It was, it was a time to worship and a time to praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Zechariah, as I just said, prophesied this occasion. What a wonderful, wonderful occasion. We almost preach, we almost preach this every, every Palm Sunday because it's so, it's so uh, challenging and, and uh, powerful. This is God's holy word. Zechariah, notice it. The gentle king that comes into Jerusalem Riding a young donkey is the same one who will defeat chariots and war horses and bring peace to the nation. He is honored by riding into Jerusalem. He is honored by the great crowd that sings Hosanna and prays. And blessed is he who comes in the name of... He is honored. But remember this crowd was very fickle. For just a few days following the great triumphal entry, they were crying, crucify him. I wonder, are we that fickle? Do we go to church on Sunday, but come Friday and Saturday, or come Monday, have we changed? Do we deny him? Are we afraid to testify of him during the week? This crowd did. We saw the film last night on this great crucifixion and how he suffered and how he was tormented. But this crowd was crying, crucify him. You know why? Can I tell you why? You see, they were looking at this incident in the natural. They believed that Jesus Christ, the Jewish people did, 
They were under the tyranny of the Roman government. But they believed that Jesus Christ was coming to deliver them. The prophecies, and there were numerous prophecies of the first coming of Jesus. And so here he comes. He's riding on a coat, a donkey. They're paying homage to him. The crowd is roaring. The, the emotions are high. And they think now is the time that this man is going to deliver us from our slavery, from our incarceration as far as the Romans are concerned. And you know, people look at you and I today as we talk about Jesus Christ. They don't understand the spiritual side of Christianity. Oh, Christianity is is the greatest religion ever. Why? Because it teaches us how to love our neighbors. It teaches us how to even love our enemies. It teaches a lot of things. Even the laws of many nations, not, not just America, the laws of many nations take their uh, reference from the Ten Commandments and the Old Testament. What a, what a powerful, powerful word it is. And Christians today are just, uh, have a testimony to the Lord. And they don't understand when we come to church, when we serve Jesus Christ, when we honor him, whether it's with communion and they don't understand Christianity. They don't understand. If it's so powerful, why don't you guys do this? If it is so wonderful, why don't you? Why aren't you more active in your testimony of this great religion, of this great Messiah? They don't understand. And we're not here to take over the government. I wish we could sometime. We're here to serve Jesus Christ. To be active, yes, in our service to him. But to serve him in humility and love. And the, and, and the world looks at Christianity. And uh, we find that many people, uh, they hate Christianity. Why? Let me ask you that. Why do you think they try to remove the Ten Commandments? They try to remove, and I know the Ten Commandments was the law, but why do, why do you think they try to, to hinder and stop the move of Christianity? Why? It's because of the power that's behind it. If it was just words, they wouldn't say anything. Why? Good words. Great teaching. But it's the conviction of God's Holy Spirit. It's God reaching into the heart and life of people. I never forget when I was building my house on Talcott. I wasn't, but we were subcon. We were the contractors of it and subbing it out. I'll never forget. It was three stories. I had a basement, two other. It was it was a tall house, and I'll never forget. Some of the subcontractors was right on the top, not just the top room but on the top building the rafters and all that and contractors run radios I don't know why but most of them were a lot of them run radios and they play all kind of music play all kind of things and they had it on this uh, non-spiritual radio station uh, and they were playing songs I don't know why I don't know why but all of a sudden that station started playing a gospel song 
And that guy on the very top of that house could not get down off of that house fast enough to turn that radio station or turn the radio off. Now what happened? It wasn't, it wasn't the words. There's power in God's word. There's an anointing. The Bible says that the anointing not only breaks the yoke, but it destroys the yoke. And the devil hates the word of God. The Pharisees hated Jesus. They sought to destroy him. They sought and they did. They crucified him. So what about this thing, Christianity? What about this thing, this man riding on a donkey? Why are the Romans so afraid? Why are the religious leaders so afraid? Why do they have him crucified? Because that God Almighty is all-powerful. And God's almighty presence is, is, is so moving and so convicting until people says, I don't want to hear that. Turn that off. I don't want to hear you talk about your God. You know, we can talk about all the other religions if we want to, but not Christianity. So we find that it was happening. This, this prophecy came forth. And here he comes. And they take him. And they crucify him. And they laid him in a tomb. What's going to happen? Let me, let me go years later and read with me, if you will, what John wrote in Revelation. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 19. Let's begin with verse 11. Now I saw heaven open and behold a donkey. No, not a donkey. And behold a coat, not a coat. I love this. I can read it over and over and over again. Now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war. There's one thing about it. You don't want to make war with the, with the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. He makes war. Verse 12. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called what? The Word of God. That's, he, he embodies the Word. That's the reason his Word is so powerful. I've told this story. Most of you know it, but some may not know it. Of a man in Africa as he preached on the street corners concerning Jesus Christ. And he had a little uh, New Testament Bible. And when he finished preaching one day, he closed that Bible and folks had dispersed. There was one man left, very young man that was left. And he came up to the preacher and he said to the preacher, may I have that book you have? Well, the first thing he thought of, I don't want to give my Bible away. But he said, why do you want my Bible? He said, I was noticing the pages of that Bible, or that book, he called it the book. I noticed the pages of that book were just right for rolling cigarettes. Well, then the, 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 the preacher said, oh, I don't know that I'm going to give my Bible to someone that rolls cigarettes with the pages. We talked about this in the, uh, 
in, in the class how God speaks to us. God spoke to him. And he said to him, give him your Bible. But challenge him. So he took that book and he said, I'm going to give you this Bible. If you'll promise me one thing. He said, what is that? That you'll read the page before you wrap your tobacco. Read the page before you wrap the tobacco. He said, I promise you I'll do it. Years later, this man goes back to Africa, the same place, same city. And on the outskirts of the city was a tent. And at night, he thought he'd just slip in the back and um, enjoy the service. The service was a great service. The minister preached a great sermon. And uh, after the service, the crowd dispersed. And he was left there. He wanted to talk to this preacher. The preacher came up to him, stuck his hand out, and he said, you don't know me, do you? He says, no, I don't know you. He said, I'm the man that you gave that Bible to. I smoked it to John 3, 16, and I started preaching it. <laughs> the Bible says, my words shall not, what? Depart boy. It's going to accomplish that that he sees for it to accomplish. And if we have the word in our hearts and in our lives and on our lips, and the only way you can do that is study it, read it, and study it, and meditate on it. God will give you the words to say to someone that's lost, to someone that is undone. And it will revolutionize their life. It will change their life. I just, I just love this. Let me read it. Let me read. Where did I stop at? I stopped somewhere in here. Here it is, verse 14. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. I got a feeling that's going to be you and I. I think we're coming back with Jesus Christ. Listen to what it says. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. I'm looking forward to that day, aren't you? Aren't you looking forward to that day? Come, Sister Judy, and play me a song. I, I just thought of a song that I'd like for you to play. He's coming soon, and he is. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Let people lie and steal and curse God let them be vile and immoral today one day they're going to bow their knees at Jesus Christ amen every knee shall bow every tongue shall confess and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written what does it say King of kings and Lord of lords. Say it. King of kings and Lord of lords. He's coming soon. Jesus Christ is coming. Just like he came, as it was prophesied, 400 years before the great entry into Jerusalem that day. Why do we, why do we have Palm Sunday? Because that's the day that Jesus Christ said, okay, Go and recognize me. Go ahead and recognize me. And King of kings and Lord of lords. Notice what we have in the conclusion. And then I want to sing you a song.
Jesus knew that the end of his earthly ministry was near. It was time to do what he had come to do. It was now or never. He was ready to be obedient to God and to accomplish the purpose set out for him. The road on Palm Sunday, and I love this one, was not a road of, to freedom. It was a road to sacrifice. It was not the road to power. It was the road to humility. It was not the road to fame. It was the road to death. It was not the road the crowd thought. It was the road God had planned. Let me ask you this before I sing. I mean, all of us sing. The crowd that praised him and sang Hosanna on Friday, they said, crucify him. Not just but a few days. They rejected him. How about you? Today, tomorrow? Are we praising him today and rejecting tomorrow? I know most of us here have accepted Jesus Christ and we have received him into our lives and we rejoice over this scripture but maybe not all of us. Maybe you have felt his spirit and sensed him dealing with you. Have you rejected him? Don't be like the crowd was. Be willing to say, Father, forgive me. I have sinned. I accept you as my personal Savior. Do it in Jesus' name.